I'm Dr. Katrina Fury, a psychiatrist. And I'm Portia Pendleton, a licensed clinical social worker. And And this this is Analyze Scripts, a podcast where two shrinks analyze the depiction of mental health in movies and TV shows. Our hope is that you learn some legit info about mental Mm -hmm. health while feeling like you're chatting with your girlfriends. There is so much misinformation out there and it drives us nuts. And if someday we pay off our student loans or land a sponsorship, like with a lay flat airline or a major beauty brand, even better. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and your DSM-5 and enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi. Welcome to our December edition of our podcast. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, near and far. Um, mm-hmm. If you are an international listener, which we did just get our, you know, Spotify wrapped um, info, right? That's we have we're global, so thank we you. We are global, guys. It's it's official. Our top three countries on Spotify were America, Canada, and Norway. Who knew? So, so Who knew? loving the um, you know the the Northern European Isles, I yes, guess, if you will. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we are really excited to kind of continue the December edition of some holiday classics. So today we're going to be covering the Grinch, um, the Ugh. Jim Carrey version. So there's Obviously. many versions. Obviously. But, um, I think at least I'm more familiar with the Jim Carrey one. Then there's the cartoon, right? The original. And then there's the new cartoon, yes. which is really funny and silly too. And the new cartoon has some pretty sick beats, has some good music. Um, and of course, I think we were like, going back and forth about do we cover the original or the Jim Carrey version and I was glad when you agreed we should do Jim Carrey version because it's so good yeah and there's like, a just lot the, there yeah just like the costuming mm-hmm. the makeup like every time I watch it I'm just looking at the Grinch like did he just take 10 hours to get in this costume every day 
Probably. I mean, that is a fun Probably. fact. All of their like facial, right, constructions, the nose, um, you know, for makeup every single day. So I went to um, at my dance studio growing up, the girl, I don't know her name, I should have looked, um, who was climbing up the mountain at the beginning with the boys to like the, oh, like the teen opening girls. Scene. Yeah. So she went to my dance studio. No way. Yeah. So I don't know if wow. she's like been in things since, but that was always Ooh. like so exciting. But it's like a hot take. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Uh, and Taylor Momsen was so adorable as Cindy Lou. I know. I, and that's obviously like pre-Gossip Girl. But then she went into Gossip Girl and then she was like the lead singer of that really intense like heavy metal band. And I'm not sure what she's doing now. But yeah. Um, She's just so adorable mm -hmm. and was like really perfect for the role. And oh, I yeah. just loved all their hairstyles. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming they were wigs, but yeah, uh, I think just super cool. And then Molly Shannon, of course. I know. Who doesn't love her? Oh, I, who doesn't love her? Some of the people, like when I looked up the cast list, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, that's them. But like their, yeah. their makeup and, you know, costuming was so good that I it just never even crossed my mind that that was my yeah. Shannon. But like, hello, superstar. Hello. Oh, my God. We should do superstar someday, yeah. by the way. Side note. Yeah. And then like I vividly remember this movie coming out. I think I was in late middle school, early high school. And it was like a year when my, my family was having a hard time. And that Faith Hill, Where Are You Christmas song came out. And it like really was like, I remember just being like, this is how I feel this year. And even still, it like really gets yeah. you. And I think like really speaks to like how emotional mm -hmm. the holiday season can be. Yeah. And like, as we keep talking about and emphasizing in our holiday episodes, like that is a fact mm -hmm. that holidays can be hard. For people of all ages and backgrounds. And um, I really loved that this movie and the Grinch story in general, like really speaks to like the yeah. real meaning of the holidays and that, you know, beyond the commercialization of it, like it stirs up a lot of big feelings for people and I that's know. okay. Yeah. I yeah. Just vividly remember hearing that song as a kid and being like, oh, like, <laughs> Just like, oh, speaks to me. You I know? know. I mean, Faith Hill is such a wonderful artist. And Ugh. I think her, you know, it came out with the album because Cindy Lou, right? Like sings it in her little beautiful voice yes, too in the movie. Yes. But then the Faith Hill version, I think, was just like a tearjerker. Oh, like, yes. And it reminds me of that song, My Grown Up Christmas List. Mm -hmm. Have you heard that one? Yeah. Similar, right? Where you're yeah. just like, it's just like really, I don't know, something about Christmas music like really gets me. Mm hmm. You know, yeah. I'm a music crier. So like if there's yes. uh, like a, a like very, hallelujah. Mm, yeah, I can cry like, easily. A lot of the Christmas, even a lot of like the church hymns, mm -hmm. like even not for a sad reason, they're just like really moving. Yeah. Right. Like they're so moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that reminds. Oh, I was just going to say that reminds me. I, I recently was at Disney World um, and they're doing a lot of their Christmas stuff mm -hmm. right now. And I went to their, what they call the Candlelight Processional Show. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's at Epcot. And um, so it's this like big show that's been going on for 60 years. And they have like a big choir, a live band. And then there's always a celebrity narrator who basically like um, narrates the, the Christian Christmas story, right? And then they sing like all the classic Christmas songs with like a huge choir. So it's like really emotional, really beautiful um, and when I was there, Chrissy Metz from This Is Us was the celebrity narrator. Do you know who she is? Yeah. 
I loved This Is Us. Like if one, I feel like in our giveaway, which we'll talk about then in our episode, um, a lot of people have like recommended that to us over the years. But anyway, um, she was like bawling. <laughs> she was just like so moved by the Christmas story yeah. and like the big choir. And I think it's just like the music, mm-hmm. right? That's just, it's like so moving. So she I think just we see that at, too. Um, uh, I attended the online version, but a conference for eating disorders and education, really? the Renfrew conference. Yeah. She was one of the keynote speakers just talking about her experience. Um, and it was like a couple of people who've been very like, um, open about their, um, experience in a larger body and just like that phobia and being an advocate. And, uh, um, oh, wow. yeah, I was really impressed with what she had to say. So that's, yeah, you know, we both kind of just saw her in wow. two different ways than this yeah. is us. So she's getting around everywhere. She that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And actually, I just saw on her Instagram, she's coming to New Haven with I guess she's like, obviously, she's a singer, but like, I guess with her band or something. Um, cool. Hey, Chrissy yeah. Matt's like, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, back to the Grinch. Uh, there's a lot we could talk about. So mm-hmm. what jumps out to you, Portia? So I was you know, using Google as I, as one does when they're looking for movie fun facts and something that I didn't see, but did pop out at me when I was watching the movie, which is kind of a, a controversial disorder, um, in, Mm. you know, the DSM and kind of in, um, I don't know, it's, it's use it's treatment, but, um, it's a reactive attachment disorder. So I thought of him kind of immediately the Grinch with attachment, right? Like he he kind of came from somewhere. We don't know. The storks in the sky. Yeah. And he like (laughs) landed outside and then, you know, they kind of, he was, he was like cold and like alone. I, I, I think it kind of like, I don't know for how long, not a long period of time, but like, it makes me think of some disrupted attachment and some neglect. And then the two sisters kind of take him in. um, And then he kind of goes on to continue though, to not fit in and not have these connections with his peers. And so, you know, I thought just for like educational purposes, we could talk a little bit about reactive attachment disorder. Um, I've worked with a couple of kiddos. Um, over the years with it. Um, and again, it was, it's not common. Um, but unfortunately with the DSM, the current version of it, we only really have two disorders that we can like, um, you know, diagnose and bill with. So it's reactive attachment disorder and then the, um, disinhibited social, um, where did it go? Do to do disinhibited social engagement disorder. So hmm. everyone really wants there to be way more attachment-based disorders. It would be, like, I know. be more gentle, I think, with explaining some behavior. So anyway. Um, like from childhood to adulthood. Yeah. I think, you know. Totally. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about borderline disorder throughout our movies and TV shows. And like, you know, there's a lot of talk about borderline often, but not always stemming from, you know, like a attachment issues. Wound and so anyway. Right, right. DSM I think, yeah. six should work on that. Yeah. And I think too, there's so many different schools of thought in terms of like psychological development mm-hmm. or schools of thought in terms of like, how do you do psychotherapy? What's sort of your uh, lens that you see things through and attachment's a big one. That's one that I find myself just like naturally gravitating towards. And I've noticed like we talk about it a lot on our podcast, like yeah. almost every character you and I are really curious mm-hmm. about their attachments. Like with the morning show, we were like, oh, finally, we saw Corey's mom. You know, like we're just constantly wondering how mm-hmm. did people get to be this way? And I think like 
those early years are so important, right? Like between ages zero and five, um, that really sets the stage psychologically for how you will relate to adults. Right. You know, it, it really like those early attachments, you know, we talked about in our Harry Potter episode mm-hmm. with your caregivers are incredibly important. And yeah, we see the Grinch like as a baby, but like an older baby, you know, like six to 12 months, I'd say. Yeah. Um, you know, based on his head control and vocalizations and things like that, like dropped off on the stoop. So like what happened before then, if anything, it's cold. And then he looks totally different from everyone else. And he's super bullied. Like all those scenes with Martha May, when he's like so excited to give her the Valentine or not the Valentine, the Christmas angel. Yeah. Um, and, and even the teacher. I, I know. Like, like. Everyone's like that one scene, slow laughing, right? They're like, yeah, right. Yeah. Even the teacher, it reminds me of Step Brothers when the mom yes. <laughs> gets involved, singing the song. Brendan has a mangina, you know, uh, where it's just like, ah, uh, even the adult who's supposed to like be protecting you in that space yeah. is like adding to it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, even if you have solid, secure attachment can relate to feeling bullied or oh, yeah. like laughed at in school, but he really got it. And we really saw how that made him like, like isolate totally. Right. Totally yeah. isolate. And it's interesting, right? Like I think comparing, you know, how the Grinch responds to that type of early experience with, you know, in a future episode, we're going to talk about Frozen how Elsa responds and then isolates herself, you know? Well, it's interesting parallel yeah. to me. Yeah, and and a common theme in some child movies, mm-hmm. I just think it's like, you know, something bad happens, which, you know, I, I guess I guess it's just a good story. And then like how someone responds to that something bad happening or hard or painful, and then, mm-hmm. you know, how they kind of manage to do it. And I, ideally, if it's a Disney movie, like um, they coped well and kind of come out the other side, but. Yeah, right. we see that with the grin. So, so again, when we talk about attachment, we again, it's 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 a term used to talk about the connection between an infant and their early caregiver. Usually, mm-hmm. it's a parent, but not always. It can be a grandparent. It can be, um, you know, someone at an orphanage. It can mm-hmm. hopefully it's someone. That's yeah. like a good place to start. Is we hope there's someone, right? Mm-hmm. Hi, scribbles. Um, <laughs> You know, so then we think about, and we've talked about in a lot of our past episodes, like Harry Potter, you, um, a lot of different ones about the different types, mm-hmm. styles of attachment. We think about secure attachment versus insecure attachment. And then in that umbrella of insecure attachment, we think about like avoidant attachment styles versus anxious avoidant attachment styles versus like a reactive type of attachment yeah. style, right? So like when you have a secure attachment, the child knows and feels secure in knowing that their needs will be met by their caregiver. And this develops over time. Like for human babies, you know, when you cry, your mother Mm -hmm. comes to feed you, to change you, to hold you. Um, As the baby gets older, the child begins to be able to tolerate waiting for mom because they've been able to internalize, like, even if I'm crying, I know she will eventually come to me. It's something called object permanence where, um, I, I believe it's around 18 months old, 
um, you know, where kids can realize like, okay, even if my mom, like, even if I don't see my mom, I know she still exists. Mm -hmm. And when I need her, I know she will hear me and come to get me, even if it's not immediate. Right. So you develop this secure feeling like your needs will be met. When you have like insecure attachment, you don't develop that. You don't, you, you can't count on your needs being met. And you react to that in different ways. You know, like if you're, if you have an anxious attachment style, you're always kind of like wanting it to be met and not really being able to trust, like, will it be met or not? You're always anxious about it. If you have like an anxious avoidant attachment style, you have that anxiety and then you kind of avoid social interactions in adulthood. You might not like pursue, you know, romantic partnership. You might have a hard time making long-term friendships, you know, things like that. If you have a totally avoidant attachment style, you don't interact with anyone and, you know, you, you're just like, I can't trust anyone. Um, and then this reactive attachment style is, you know, like, you know, having a really hard time soothing yourself. So I remember seeing this in some um, kids when I did like inpatient child psychiatry rotations who uh, maybe grew up in like an orphan. I specifically remember one case where the child grew up in an orphanage in like Russia or yeah. somewhere like that and was adopted by a family who'd also adopted like eight other kids, but adopted them at like age nine or something. Um, and the kid was having a really hard time adjusting. And it was mm -hmm. just like a lot of emotional dysregulation, really hard time feeling soothed, really hard time trusting that anyone is safe to soothe them. It's really sad to see. Um, and so we think that, you know, kids with reactive attachment disorder have a really disturbed internal working model of relationships. Um, like the, it's like the most severe version of an right. attachment disorder. Right. And so that leads to a lot of interpersonal and behavioral problems later in life. Um, most of them have early childhood neglect, abuse, or both, especially in that ages zero to five range um, or early loss, like early tragic mm -hmm. loss, which then leads to, you know, neglect or things like that where their needs aren't met. Um, and I think it's been connected to, I don't know the date off the top of my head, but things in adulthood like substance use disorder, mental health disorders, trouble maintaining jobs, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but what's been your experience with it? Um, similar, like just kind of working. I think it's been like some of the saddest cases um, mm -hmm. I've worked with I agree. and just some of the ones that I feel like really sit with you and like, I won't yeah. ever forget. Um, and I think yeah. that just like speaks to, you know, how many, how, painful and terrible things that we see and work with families for. It's like this just yeah. for me has really taken the cake. And, and, yeah. you know, I think because treatment feels really difficult and challenging because so much of it has to do with the caregiver um, yeah. and the caregiver, you know, really should be in their own therapy. Cause it's, it's so difficult. It's really you know, hard. You, you yeah. have to almost be like, it's almost like an impossible expectation, which no one's asking the parent to give or the caregiver to give, but like, you have to really be kind of coaching constantly. Like you're, yeah. you're, everything's kind of a goal. Everything's, you know, even a hug, like a lot of kids with, um, with reactive yes. attachment disorder don't like to be touched. Um, right. so it's like, how can you they show can support like, and love? Yeah. Yeah. Can actually like them dysregulate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, right. and I, yeah, oh, it's just, it's just hard. So there's like, you know, attachment therapy, play therapy, of course, for little ones. Um, there's some like the residentials like, that yeah. like they do rad. Sometimes they send them home with a puppy. I've seen like to develop a bond with something. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, uh, yeah. But it's because I was just thinking, hard. like, as you were saying that, like, right, like, so much of therapy, at least in adults, mm focuses on the therapeutic alliance, which means the connection between the patient and their therapist. And like time mm. and time again, studies have shown like that is the strongest predictor of positive outcomes in therapy is having that connection with your therapist. And for so many patients, if not, I would argue all of them who have attachment struggles, whether they meet criteria for like a full-fledged attachment disorder, or they just have some, you know, like interpersonal stuff yeah. with their parents that they're trying to work through that gets like replicated in the therapeutic relationship. And that can be like a great way to work on healing those wounds and learning how to like, um, you know, trust other people and like, at least in like the psychodynamic work that I do. Um, and that's going to be so hard mm -hmm. with someone with a reactive attachment style because they're going to really struggle to form that alliance with their care, right. like with a therapist. And I think that's like the whole goal probably for a really long time in the therapy mm -hmm. is just to connect and be a safe place. Right. Um, and similarly, like if, if you're adopting a child with this kind mm -hmm. of attachment style, like I hope, I, I think, but I'm sure we could do a better job that like adoption agencies and stuff like help parents, um, learn yeah. how to relate to these kiddos and over time, but I don't actually know how much support, you know, parents get who are adopting. Yeah, I think that's hard. And, and, you know, I, I guess even thinking of some of the cases like the, where, where, you know, the belief is that it's some, some, some were from, you know, the kind of the international adoptions from places yeah. in like Eastern Europe, uh, where, yes, where we kind of yeah. know historically there seems to be a lot of neglect, um, yeah. And then other just like horrific, horrific cases of child abuse and neglect here. Um, right. Just and, early, and then in, early uh, on. Adoption. And, and it's just so I mean, so when we think of like the Grinch, I mean, he's he I think there's also so there. So the point of kind of bringing up reactive attachment disorders, <laughs> there's so many things. So people there's like antisocial personality disorder. People have like kind of talked about with him depression um trauma mm -hmm. of course but it's like i think yeah. you know this was just like a little bit of a unique one but he does demonstrate some of the criteria so not liking physical touch he wants to kind of yep. be on on his own um be yep. unhappy or sad um it says without a clear cause i think we could take the trauma approach that there's always a clear cause with like abuse and neglect right. and it's always coming from right. somewhere but um right. not really Sometimes expressing not, emotions yeah with like, um, so having a conscience, like struggling with remorse mm -hmm. or guilt, um, mm -hmm. and then the detachment withdrawal kind yeah. of all of that. 
Yeah. And in some, you know, in terms of the DSM-5, how mm-hmm. they sort of also, they also include some other symptoms that you might see in children with a reaction, reactive attachment disorder, which includes things like poor hygiene, not meeting motor milestones, um, having trouble with like eye contact or social interactions, having blank, exple- blank, ugh, blank expressions, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. appearing like unfocused, not responding socially appropriately to like in interpersonal mm-hmm. interactions and stuff like that. And kind of all of that makes sense, right? Because you learn how to groom yourself from right. your caregiver, right? Like your caregiver brushes your teeth, brushes your hair, gets you dressed before you know how to do that. So if no one's doing that for you, you don't know to do it for yourself, right? And so I think you could also see how, um, I just think like a trauma-informed approach is so important because you can see how someone with this attachment style could be misdiagnosed as like ADHD, ODD, conduct disorder. And sure, I think there might be a proportion of people with this early childhood trauma and attachment style who go on to develop those things, but that it might not actually be that, right? Yeah. And that's important to emphasize. Like the big years that I feel like that kind of comes out is more, um, which, which is where the research with reactive attachment disorder is lacking and why it can be a little controversial is because there's no like long-term like yeah. studies really about like what it turns into. They know a lot from like zero to five, but then after it's like, are the kiddos kind of get getting a secure attachment, working on it, developing the ability to have close, safe relationships or is it kind of taking that other route where it's like yeah. they're still not having any relationships and then the behaviors kind of naturally come out of that? It's not like the behaviors first. It's like you're kind of right. just on your own in this big, scary world. So how do you world. survive? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. It's like the former way you described it is like what we see in this movie with the Grinch, mm-hmm. who he can develop this secure feeling with Cindy Lou. Interestingly, yeah. a, a little child, right? And we always think like children are very pure and kind and so innocent, right? And as adults, we often say like, gosh, when do we all become jerks? Like, you know, when you're looking at little kids. Um, And interestingly, as you were saying that, Portia, I was just thinking like, well, in order to do a long-term study, your participants have to keep participating, which in its of itself is an attachment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So these people are not going to do that, right? If their attachment isn't healing. Right. Right. Yeah. And I thought his heart growing was to me just like so symbolic of like him being, you know, and again, it's, it's a movie and it's fast, but like his, his healing and his ability to then connect. And he kind of learned that through Cindy Lou. And then, and then it's like safe to kind of try other attachments with Martha and, you know, his, his like um, caregivers, he kind of, you know, reunites with and, and they put the sweater on him. That's like itchy looking. Yeah, but he can tolerate even that scratchiness, you know? It is, like, such a beautiful metaphor, like, for therapy in -hmm. some ways, right? Like, I guess if Cindy Lou and the Grinch are engaging in, like, play therapy, I guess if you're following my drift, that, like, if you can develop that connection Mm -hmm. and it can feel safe, and if someone in your life can see past all the acting out behaviors, stealing the presents, stealing the who hash, you know, stealing all the lights, all this stuff the Grinch is doing in anger. 
um, which is sort of his way of like projecting out all the pain right. he's holding inside from all of his of his early life experience. If there's someone in your life, again, hopefully an adult, not a child, um, hopefully someone will train, mm-hmm. you know, someone in your life who can like hold on to and keep mirroring back to you that you do have goodness inside. You are worthy of love. Like I see you for who you are, despite all your acting yeah. out. I'm not going to leave you. Oh, baby, is that powerful? Mm-hmm. Um, and don't you wish like everyone could have a person like that in your life? I'm just thinking of like all the teenage boys I've seen in in my work throughout the years who are just really acting out. And you're just like, God, you just need someone to love you, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, it's tough. And yeah. um, these behaviors make it hard mm-hmm. to do that consistently, right? But like you really right. need it. Because they are so naturally kind of pushing others away, but it's like the core, her purpose of that is to protect, you know? So it's like it, it, while, you know, others are kind of getting hurt or like, oh yeah, he's a jerk. You know, I can't believe he did that. It's like, you know, obviously some peers don't, I'm not asking them to have the capacity to do that, but like the caregivers or the adults around or the teachers or the supports, the therapists, it's like, well, why is this happening? And like, how does it, how does it benefit him? Uh, right, but right. he also does have a dog. So now yes, thinking Max. about, yeah, He's so like, animals. was that a tiny little way that even while he was by himself, he was able to develop an attachment with an, with an animal and I that think made so. it easier for them yes. with Cindy Lou, who's also like a little bit in a way, children are like animals. If you could go I, with me, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah giving you that positive unconditional regard, like right. just the consistency. I feel like children in a way are predictable in that way with like, right. you know, just sometimes emotions. And so maybe that like was the, the little crack that opened yeah. that allowed Cindy to kind of open the door. And I think like that does speak to like, why could the Grinch, why could his heart grow? Mm-hmm. Why could he start to develop this? I think because there's some ability there for that, right? Like he must have had some, however small, like thread of attachment that he knew it was possible. There, there was something in there, whether it was those two sisters that he learned to trust, whether it, you know, like there was something there that led him to like getting the dog, right? And I mean, I've seen so many adult patients with a lot of attachment issues or trauma who like love, like really, really rely on their pets. Right. And then there's all of the, um, you know, emotional support animals, which can be exploited, you know, (laughs) but when it's appropriate, like it makes so much sense. Right. Like, um, even if it's hard to attach to humans because humans can be cruel, sometimes animals, you can develop that attachment. So I think it does speak to the Grinch's ability to develop an attachment. However, it takes time and it has to be like in the right situation but I think if he had been living alone like a hermit Mm -hmm. with no dog with no desire then hey there wouldn't be a story there wouldn't be a movie right he like just wouldn't go to the jubilation Mm -hmm. um he would just kind of be a hermit right Mm -hmm. I had a question for you um Similarly, and I'm curious to hear your perspective about um, medication. So when I worked with some kiddos who had um, the diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder, it felt like a similar um, Mm -hmm. medication mix for borderline, right? Like an anti-anxiety, like a risperidol, sometimes with risperidone with aggression. So what else do you see here? Yeah. So again, I... um... 
I am not a child. I'm not a trained child and adolescent psychiatrist, but I would agree with you in my um, brief training in child and adolescent psychiatry during my adult residency training. Um, one, I mean, I, it was hard because for a while I thought about pursuing child and adolescent, but then I, I didn't. Um, and one big reason was because I felt like a lot of times as the psychiatrist, it was like expected that you would medicate symptoms Yeah, that at least like on the inpatient settings, I kept thinking like, you know, they're acting this way because of their home life or because of their parents or, you know, like they're behaving and reacting, not like medicine isn't going to fix that. Like I kept, I would always say to my supervisors, like, I wish I could just prescribe them new parents. Like, I just want to give them like a loving parent or, you know, when I, and Dr. Q, one of my favorite, you know, teachers of all time, um, when she would be interviewing kiddos and stuff who were coming on the unit, she would get a good sense of like, what's their relationship like with their parents. And then also ask them questions like, who do you go to when you're sad? Or who, who can you talk to when you have a question trying to gauge, like, is there someone else in your life, a coach, a teacher, is there someone? Yeah. And if there was someone kind of like the Grinch, there must've been someone Mm -hmm. that you hope you can like foster that relationship. But I would agree with you. I feel like in terms of the medication side, um, I think you often end up like medicating certain symptoms in hopes it'll help keep the kid like in quote unquote behavioral control. And that always just like rubbed me the wrong way mm-hmm. because I it feels like we're not treating the deeper thing, you know, or like the the root cause. But then it's also like, well, how do you get to the root cause if the behaviors are interfering? It's really complicated, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think, um, we, we see, and sometimes that's appropriate. Like sometimes when you have patients with something like borderline personality disorder, it is helpful for them to be on a couple different medications to help treat the different symptoms so that they're in a place of emotional stability Mm -hmm. where they can make use of, you know, DBT or play therapy if it's a kid. Um, it's just, I think really hard with kids when the medications we're using can have so many side effects. So it's a really nuanced decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just makes, it just makes it hard. And like, I think we both have said 10 times today, but like, it's just, it's attachment is so tricky. And I think right. The most like vulnerable people are kiddos and it's just like, can be heartbreaking when, um, like basic needs aren't met, there's abuse. And then of course, you know, like, that they're still not in a good place. And I don't know, but another I totally you know, agree. kind of, kind of just quick note about the Grinch is I thought it was funny. Someone, um, it, it made me think of like, uh, what is it? Sad. Um, seasonal effect, seasonal affective disorder. And it's like, it's always <laughs> winter there. Like it's always, yeah. like it's, it's always holiday stress. Right. Oh. So it's like, it's this perpetual, like, um, Can you imagine? Like on the one hand, it's like, wow, it might be nice to live in Christmas time all the time. But then on the other, it's like, that's like such, that's so much pressure, mm-hmm. like such high expectations. And we see that with like the competition between the neighbors with how many lights do you get on your house? And then there's even like the mayor's wife who has like a Barbie body, right? Who's like using that like light gun yeah. to like get all the lights. It's like, that's why I like loved this version of the movie because it just like speaks to that stress in such a comical way. And it's like also for <laughs> adults, 
with like right yeah. like seeing Martha like doing the gun and like so shooting in that like a little bit like sensual way. Um, it was funny. Yeah, it's funny. Oh, it's a good I love movie, it. and it's, a, it's definitely a, a part of the must watch list. Must um, watch for me, at least for the holidays. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this version. I just love Jim Carrey. Like, who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, but he's such a good Grinch. He's just, he's, it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 10 out of 10 recommend. So 10 thank 10. you for, you know, listening today. I think we're going to wrap up. Um, it We'd was love a- to hear your thoughts yeah. about this classic movie. Uh, what do you think about the Grinch's attachment style? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so definitely let us know. You can reach us on um, many social media accounts like TikTok or Instagram at Analyze Scripts Podcast. You can also leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube, um, or you can always email us at Analyze Scripts Podcast yeah. at Gmail. We'd like to hear your take. Um, you know, this and was a little bit of about, new info. Yeah, let's talk about the giveaway. Yeah, um, I'm, I believe this episode is going to come out before the giveaway. Let me double check. Monday? I think it won't that Monday. Uh, Well, sorry. I mean, it could. Well, can we cut this out? You should should check your our Instagram. And if there is a still giveaway going on, we're giving away $200 of an Amazon gift card as a way to say thank you to our listeners. If it's not, we'll probably maybe do it again at some point. Maybe next year. Yeah, we might do it again another time. Make sure you're following us. You could see the opportunity to, you know, give us some feedback. And um, we'll definitely be taking some of the suggestions that have been on that post. And again, please leave us some. We'd love to hear your feedback. But thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm. We're having a great time and we love all the interaction. (laughs) And catch us next week for our last episode of 2023. Uh, We will be covering Christmas Vacation, um, which is just such a classic. It's one of Portia's favorites. It will be released on Christmas Day. So, you know, if you need a little uh, mental health break, uh, you know, from all the festivities and you want to give it a listen, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, good note. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. The podcast and its contents do not constitute professional, mental health, or medical advice. Listeners might consider consulting a mental health provider if they need assistance with any mental health problems or concerns. As always, please call 911 or go directly to your nearest emergency room for any psychiatric emergencies. Thanks for listening and see you next time.